Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Helping you invest in property for freedom, choice and profit. You'll learn new, innovative and multiple streams of property income. Whether you want to start, scale or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits. Hi, Kevin McDonnell here and welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. On today's episode of the podcast, I've got Kevin Whelan with me. And Kevin Whelan is a SaaS pensions and a property finance expert. So for those of you that don't know what a SaaS pension is, we'll dig down deep down into that with Kevin over the next um, 45 minutes or so. So Kevin, thanks for joining me on the podcast. It's a real pleasure and it's been absolutely tremendous fun upstairs with the Creative Finance Masterclass. Yeah, we've just... 120 buzzing like anything. How amazing so, was that? So for those listening in on the podcast, we've just been at a live event where Kevin was doing a talk about SaaS pensions and we had a room full of people. The atmosphere was amazing. Um, and they loved you. Well, I've had some great feedback already, so, so I'm very happy with that. They mainly loved you because they realised that they didn't just have to leave their pension in a stocks and shares or leave it to the whatever fund it's in at the moment, that they could actually take care of it and look after it and, and manage their own pension pot in other ways and even help them to buy property. So I guess for, for people that are listening in our podcast, um, what is a SaaS pension and what can you do with pensions? Well, you know, most people in the UK have built up some pensions historically from either money they paid in personally or from a job. Yeah. So it kind of represents, for the most part, their past. But the people who are coming to Progressive and, and really resonating with what's being taught here is taking self-control and moving more towards investing in property, in business, and being entrepreneurs, really. Yeah. So the first thing to say is that a SaaS pension is not for everybody. It's for entrepreneurs. Yeah. It's people who are willing to, if you like, take responsibility for the money that they've accumulated in the past. And then simply put, they turn their pension into a business. Yeah. And that's really what a SaaS is. I mean, it's complicated language, but if I boiled it down to be really simple, like a business has got a board of directors and, and it makes profit, but the profit is taxable. A SaaS, you've got a board of trustees or a single trustee like like yourself, yeah. um, but you're making profit, but all the profit you make is tax-free. Right. So that's pretty cool. So okay. that's your starting point. Yeah. For people who want to take control, they get their old money, uh, often take advice to make sure they're doing the right thing. But let's assume for the sake of an argument they do, then they can do what they want with that, subject to simply following HMRC rules, which are very flexible, particularly when it comes to business and property. Yeah. I guess number one is I'd never even heard of a SaaS. So for anybody listening in, what, what does SaaS actually mean? What's the, what's the meaning of SaaS? Okay. Um, how do you spell it? Um, what does it mean? You know, <laughs> okay. the, the basics. Well, let, let's, um, get, let's get rid of the yeah. things that it's not. So it's not, you know, software is a solution, which is S-A-S-S. Yeah. It's not the military, which is the S-A-S. It's S-S-A-S. Small, yep. self-administered scheme. Small, so, self-administered yeah. scheme. So basically it's set up by a company. So entrepreneurs generally have limited companies. So let's say, you know, a company that's doing property, husband and wife team. Yeah. Right. So they say, my company, ABC Property Enterprises, applies to HMRC to get essentially what's like a license to be able to be the operator of their own pension. Right. Okay. That's the first thing. And then they apply for that. Assume they get approval. They can then move the old money, in your case, old money. Yeah. That was in the stock market and you felt you would you could do something different or indeed reinvest in the market, but you choose not to, invest it in property, 
You take that money, and then that gets put into a trust bank account, right? ABC Enterprises trustee bank account, and you run it like a business. Okay, it's pretty much as simple as that. There are some rules mm. uh, because the inland revenue don't give that certification to everybody. Yeah, you need to be fit and proper, and you need to understand what you're doing. But like many people in Progressive, you you've eaten your own. You know, you go with your own thoughts, which is to, yeah. to take lessons and take guidance, and that's what you've done. And now you're in control, and you've had yeah. an incredible result, haven't you? Yeah, so I'm, I met you probably two and a half-ish years ago right. when I heard about SaaS. Mm -hmm. And I, for anyone listening, I personally moved my pension pot from my job into a SaaS pension. And I guess one of the things that was interesting for me was that you could, it was in stocks and shares, but even in a SaaS, I still had a choice to leave it in stocks and shares. Sure. But for me, wanting to get into property, I didn't, I didn't have any access to money. And this allowed me to access my pension pot to buy property because yeah, you could sure. do something called a loan back, oh, which yeah. I've done. So um, do you want to share with the listeners what a loan back is and how it works and how they could use their pension pot to buy their own properties? Well, I'd be delighted to do that. I think part of the challenge with this is we dive in. It might be better if I give a bit of a structure. A bit of a structure, yeah. 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 So I was just about to explain the small bit, which is um, up to 11 people, right? So, you know, mm -hmm. so husband and wife yep. don't normally have a common pot. They normally have one pot. So okay. you've got the leverage of more than one. And sometimes bigger families or family businesses can pool their money. So first thing is they've got more control. So brothers, sisters, husbands, husbands wives, wives go together. Business partners. And what about kids? Yeah, I've got to be 18. 18. Uh, but that's no problem from a legacy point of view. So I should have had my kids a few years ago. Well, you know, but you've got... Uh, young, starter. <laughs> yeah, young kids now, right? Um, Self-administered means basically you're making your own decisions. Okay. So like running a business, as I said, so you make the decision about where you want to invest your money, provided it's within HMRC rules. Yeah. We'll come back to that uh, rules in, in a minute. And scheme is just another word for pension. So in law, scheme means, means pension. pension. Scheme trustee, pension scheme, they're just another word. So small self-administered scheme is a pension scheme. scheme that's run by business owners to make decisions for themselves in order to grow that as large as they care to in investments that they choose to invest in for themselves, subject to some basic rules. Right. And what sort of, what are the, what sort of rules are there then? What, what well, the, the, probably the easiest thing to describe, Kevin, is there are only two things you can't do. Right. So then it's like a business. Like, what can you do in business? Well, you could do anything, couldn't yeah. you? You could, you could do haircuts, not that you and I need, I don't them, need but, We don't need, we don't need <laughs> well, haircuts well, anymore. Well, me neither. But uh, we could clip poodles for a living or we could be financial advisors or we could yeah. do whatever. So you can just do that. So the two things you can't do, and this is just general law pensions, really, you can't buy personal assets. Right. So you couldn't buy a fancy car. You can't buy a yacht. You can't buy a horse. You know, you can't buy wine. You can't do things that you'd get a personal gain from. Yeah. And you can't buy habitable residential property, meaning you can't buy something you could live in yourself, which right. sort of means your home you live in, typical buy-to-let property. Now, we get grey in a minute, but if we take that as a matter of principle, the direct investment in residential property or the indirect investment in residential property is always an area where you have to try and avoid unless you really know the rules. Right. Now, there are two types of property. Uh, habitable residential property, the ones I've described, and exempt residential property. Right. So wouldn't you kind of like to know 
Well, if this is exempt, that means if I've got my pension, I could buy this type of property. So that's an easy one. Student halls of residence, yep. exempt. You could buy a pub as long as there's accommodation for the manager. That's exempt. You could buy a hotel, a guest house, a care home. You know, you get the idea? So yep. if it's commercial, you could buy an office. Many businesses buy their offices to operate from. Yep. Or you could buy an office and convert it into something that then becomes residential. Okay. So these are the sorts of things you get to learn. Yeah. Once you understand how the rules actually work. And that is that buying the property within the pot or um, is... You could yeah. buy the property within the pot. Yeah. So within, uh, there's two ways to essentially, you know, use your pension money to get access. One is you use the pension itself to directly buy assets. Yep. And that money always follows money. So if you buy it with the pension, the pension grows. Yeah, because all the rental income goes within the pension. Right. And the good news is, while it's growing, it's income tax-free, corporation tax-free, capital gains tax-free, and inheritance tax-free. That's a lot of tax-free. It is, yeah. So it's a really powerful thing. And, of course, the government put a ceiling on how much you can have, which is just over a million pounds before tax starts rearing its head. So what a lovely objective to have to try and help everybody get a million pounds each. So it's a million pounds per person. So if you've got husband and wife, it's two, two million. million pounds. Like it. Right. Yeah. And, you know, myself, my wife and three kids all over the age, age 18 is potentially five million. Five million. Right. You know, now that doesn't mean you can start moving money easily between people. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. But you can use other people's allowances just as like you use allowances when people are employed in business. So, again, okay. just see it as a business. So money follows money. So you either grow the pot mm. and build it up to a million quid, but you're still building your wealth on the side. Or one of the special rules within SAS, and it has got some, some very special dispensations or, or nuances, and one of those is the point you mentioned, that as well as buying things, so that strategy we call B for buy, yeah. there's also B for borrow. Right. Now, in the B for borrow strategy, if you've got a pension pot, now the average pension pot we see when they start their SAS in the UK is about 300000 yeah. Now, you can borrow up to half of that money, the money goes to the company, so ABC Property Enterprises sets yeah. up the SAS. They can borrow up to £150,000, and then that money's loaned to the company to help the business, and therefore that money's now outside of the pension. Yeah. What's been agreed then is the pension has made a loan, and there's a fixed interest, interest rate, rate, and the loan needs to be repaid over five years. So without getting boring rules you've still got all that flexibility as well. And so for people who want to grow their wealth outside of their pension, their pension can help them do that. And if you do the borrow, the B, mm -hmm. and, and lend money to your company or your, to buy, so you have to lend it to a limited company. You have I guess, to lend to a limited company. It's not a personal yeah. loan. So it's a limited. And there are very strict rules on what the, you know, how you repay it back. It's got to be repaid back within five years. It yeah. needs to be secured, so there needs to be security, which is more complicated, mm. but... In the spirit of a yep. podcast, which is just giving sort of general information, then that's just a possibility, which you can't do with conventional pensions mm. with insurance companies in the stock market. And obviously, I've currently got one. So part of my part, um, I've got a, a, a loan to my limited company at the moment yep. that I've bought property with. Yep. That I'm doing the payback over five years. And, and I also lend some of my pension pot to other people. But we'll come on to that in a minute. But just on the yep. loan back... Mm -hmm. um, 
when it, when you lend it to your own company, do you, can you still just buy commercial type properties or can you now buy any type of property? Well, it has to be for the purpose of the business. So it's a great yeah. question, Kevin. Um, so if your business is widget manufacturing, then you can help the widget manufacturing business. If it's a property development business, then you can help the property development business. Right. If we keep it at that sort of yeah. headline level, that's about the right thing to do. Yeah. So it can help you. The other point, which is useful to know, yeah. is not you haven't just got the leverage of one, two, three, four, five people, say, um, or other contributions from old pensions from different people put together, but the SAS can also borrow money itself because it's a separate legal entity, so oh, okay. it can apply for a mortgage. So if you had, again, a £300,000 pot and you said, well, you know, I, I quite like stocks and shares, and if you bought stocks and shares, you'd buy £300,000 300 grand's grand's worth. worth. But if you buy property, you've got 450 grand's worth. So you're instantly making your money work harder through leverage. So you can borrow money within your pot and use that to buy a more expensive property that brings in more rental income that would be tax-free within the pot. Potentially, yeah. Excellent. <laughs> and th so that's buying property within the pot and loaning property to a limited company that's a trustee of the pot. Yeah. Um. But you could also loan money to other people. Can you? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So for property people, and I guess, you know, progressive are known for mm. property education. The reason why this is useful is those people who've got their own money, everybody runs out of money at some point, Kevin, yeah. right? So knowing where your money is at, creative finance, is really important. So if you can bring your own money and bring it into play, that's a good thing. Know the rules, but it's possible. Mm. But it's equally important to know that other people have money. Yeah. And if they have uh, set their pension up in a way that they have control, then you could be a property investor, but borrow money from other people. And if you've got a SaaS of your own, you can lend money to other people. And we call that a bridge strategy. So it's another B, Kevin, makes it easy another to teach, bridge. right? Yeah. So buy, buying borrow. assets, borrow, lend money back to your company, bridge, which is you're lending money to third parties. So bridging is money going away from you, yeah. whereas the borrow strategy is money right. coming back. And that's why it's important to, to, to get a different. Now, when you're lending money to a third party then, they have to be unconnected to you. Yes. So okay, it's so. not then your brother, your sister, your wife, your right. business partner. So I could lend to you yeah, and you could lend to me because we're unconnected by blood and yeah. we don't have a business together. And could you lend to each two people into each other? Or if you lend to me, would I still be, would I be also able to lend to you or would it have to be? It's possible to do that. But right. what we must be careful about is making an unwitting connection. Yeah. We don't want you saying, I will only lend to you if you only lend to me. That wouldn't work. Got you. But independently, if we just happen to have projects at different times or you just do it genuinely and sneak yeah. uh, within the spirit of the law, Got you. you're fine. So many people will want to lend to third parties for a number of reasons. One, they know, like, and trust them. Yeah. Two, they can get good security. And in some cases, even a first charge, which they might view as more secure than a ups and downsy stock market, yeah. for example. They might want to get an experience, so they go and see the property. They learn from that, so they kind of get a value right. that is just more knowledge. Or they might feel better connected. Right. Or indeed, the return might be 8, 9, 10, 11, 12%, whatever, which could be significantly higher than the return that they might be getting in, the pension, in a traditional, in stock, traditional market. stock market. But, yeah. you know, these things are all possible. But like anything, Kevin, in, in any kind of activity when you're investing money, Two things are important to say. If you need advice, get good advice and make sure you do your own due diligence. Mm. 
there's not a reason to invest foolishly just because you've got the control. Yeah. So with that responsibility, you know, comes the need to do good DD. That's good said, it's, it's not for everybody. I guess before you'd ever even considered lending a pension into property, you'd want to have a, an understanding of property. Oh, exactly yeah. right. Otherwise, it would be a foolish yeah. thing to do. Yeah. So get a, get a, an understanding of property. Understand what types of property to invest in. Understand numbers. Understand return on investment, and then and risks, of course, and, and exit strategies. Yeah. And and certainly, we um, we like to make sure that people do understand that before they go ahead and do these things, and they have a checklist to go through to make sure they have thoroughly assessed that. But but again, from a potential point of view. What it means for a property developer, if they're really good and outstanding what they do, they can attract inward investment from other people's pensions. And there are some other rules that, and apart yeah. from that, but you get the idea. So we've talked about buy mm -hmm. and borrow and yeah. bridge. bridge. Yeah. Is there any more Bs? Oh, go on. You can push me on one more if you oh, want. Go on then. <laughs> what, what else well, there's we the, what we call the bank strategy. The bank strategy. Yeah. So it's not be your own bank because that's the borrow strategy. Yeah. This is when you get an old and crusty person like me. You know, when you get to 55 and older, you've got full freedoms to access your tax-free cash from age 55. So if you build and accelerate your pot, like you've done, doubled it in yeah, the last few years, two right? Two and a bit years, yeah. Compared to how long it, I it don't know. It took 10 plus years to, and then doubled it in two and a half. Right, okay. Yeah. So if you can imagine that compounding up and you build a nice big pot, then you've got tax-free cash at 25%. So if you build that million... You know, 250 grand tax-free, very nice. Do that with that what you wish. And, of course, you've always got that loan back. You combine the two, which you could do, your 50% loan back, 25% tax-free. You're leaving 25% in the pot uh, and constantly just choose where you want to use that money. And, and the whole idea is build up a great-sized pot yeah. um, and help you build your wealth in the way you want. And, of course, it's a great legacy too because yeah. not only can you invite children in and be trustees, which means you can impart wisdom and money, but also you've got a, a legacy that stays as opposed to a legacy in some pensions that die. Yeah. So I guess that's one of the things with my pension is if I died, um, my pension generally dies with you, doesn't it? It doesn't really. But, There's only, there is a type of pension that does. Yeah. We're getting complicated now. So is that Let's okay? Let's not get complicated. Not get too complicated. Yeah. Okay. If you take your pension in a certain way. Yeah where it's a regular fixed income like wages, mm. sometimes called an annuity, annual salary, and you die, then almost always the pension will either fully or partially die with you. Mm. Um, and that is not always a great thing. Nope. I appreciate for some people it's the right thing to do. They want the safety and security of a fixed income. Yeah. But like everything, it's a balance you play in life as to mm. what's more important to you. And when you've got a wife and a young family... At least paying attention to your thoughts on the legacy, pretty important, I think. Yeah. Um, and and important for me because my dad died very young. So yeah. this legacy, legacy thing has been a, a key issue for me ever since the dad started doing this. And um, as a SAS, within a SAS, it, if, you, if somebody dies and they've got a SAS, the pot stays with the family? Pot stays in a trust fund belonging, right. to, the, belonging to the scheme. Yeah. So ABC scheme. If right. the company disappears because it's sold, there's no problem, you can move right. it to another company. There always needs to be a company there, right. but that's it stays within the control of the family, just so, as like a family business would. Okay, that's really good. And in, in one of the things why I did mine at the time was the, that sort of thing of, of this is something I could pass on to my family. Sure. I, I, it stays here when I pass on. If that's, well, well, that's how you look yeah. at it. Um, ex exactly, and as I said, with 
bringing in children that in their teens or twenties, you know, when they can handle it really, uh, you can, you can teach them what you're doing and even right. say, well, you know, you imagine this, you know, saying to a, somebody in their twenties, look, I've got this much money in my pension. Here's a thought, you know, why don't you go and see what you might do with 10,000 pounds to see your experience of making an investment, you know, to, yeah. to be part of the decision-making and feel part of it rather than traditionally what happens when, you know, wealthy people die, if they don't pass on the wisdom, the money yeah. doesn't last that long because yeah. there's no wisdom accompanying it, if you see. Yeah. Yes, you, you, you are. You, you're not just giving them a pension. You're educating them on property, on finance. Right. on Yeah. Um, if, if somebody was listening to the podcast now and they're thinking, um, I don't know how much my pension's worth. I don't know okay. where my pension even is. I don't know what it's really invested in. Yeah. Um, and what would you, and I want to maybe know a bit more about SaaS and stuff. What would you, what would be the steps? What would you tell them to do? Well, it's a really great point. I mean, because as I said to the guys upstairs, you know, 20 billion pounds worth of money in the UK has been forgotten. 20 billion, billion pounds. 20 billion pounds. The government's own figures, not my figures, which is money that people have worked in jobs, have forgotten about. They've been, they changed their name because they got married. They got divorced, you know, the company got bought out or merged, yeah. the insurance company got bought out or merged, and all of this money is just languishing in coffers, yeah. uh, rightfully belonging to individuals, but ending up not there. That doesn't actually surprise me because my wife, um, when she left her job, has a, a small pension. Well, she says thinks it's small. We don't know because she doesn't know who it's with, where it is. Right. But yeah, and... and it's one of the things I've been thinking of. It's on my to-do list. Okay. To figure it out for her. All right. But, um, but I can imagine the amount of people across the country that are in well, the very same position. 20 billion, right? 20 so that's billion a, pounds. That's a lot of procrastination there or a lot of lack of education. Could, so Could me and my wife apply for all of that? Uh, you could try. It <laughs> wouldn't get success, uh, no. No, no. You, how you find it is two ways. One is you just take a long, hard look at yourself and go, well, look, who did I work for? Yeah. And, you know, have I got a statement somewhere in the back of the filing cabinet or somewhere, which I could then just drop them an email or write them a letter and say, letters, who writes letters? But you know what I mean, make a phone mm. call and say, my name is John Smith. Here's my national insurance number because everything follows national, national insurance, insurance numbers. Number. And then they'll be able to identify where that money is. And, you know, the biggest figure we've had this year for somebody who told me oh, I only worked there a few years, £255,000. Wow. And they've it's, forgotten about they've it. They've just completely forgotten about it. And I'm not making this up at all. And the guy promised me a case of champagne, which I still haven't claimed, but I must do that. But this is the sort of thing that happens, right? So yeah. uh, there's a government agency called the uh, Pension Tracing Agency there in Newcastle who will seriously help people find pensions where, you know, the companies have gone right. bust. What's, what are they called again? It's the Pension Tracing Agency. The Pension Tracing, Tracing agency. agency. It's a .gov.uk site. Yeah. Watch out for the ads because there's some ads trying to copy that. Right. Um, and you just key in your national insurance number and they should be able to help you find that money. Right. And if you Put, put had... your own effort into it because it's real money and yeah. once it's repatriated to the home where it belongs to, then it can be used in the... Even the just way. to build a pot in conventional pensions or uh, into SAS itself. And if you've had, say, three or four different jobs, generally what happens is somebody has a job, I guess the job gives them a new pension and they end up exactly. with a completely different pension. Yeah, it's little, you know, little forgotten baskets yeah. of, of pension pots that you can consolidate in some way, even if it's just on a piece yeah. of paper or by getting some advice, then you can consolidate them in a different way. And maybe a SAS, maybe not. So you could have, say, three different jobs in the, over your lifetime, three different pension pots. Um, 
could ring this tracing agency. They could put. They, they could won't be very proactive. They'll just help you if there's. Yeah. If you can't find if it. If you can't find yourself. Yeah, so stage yeah. one would be look for yourself. Look for yourself, yeah. Get the three pensions identified. Yep. And then if they did want to go into a SAS, you could yeah. actually take all three and put them into three separate pots or one pot. Once. Well, there's no point having three separate schemes yeah. because you just end up paying too much in charges yeah. and the SAS is for a family. So you definitely look at it one. But, you know, the whole thing is take advice. Take your time. You know, mm. there's plenty of information that, you know, we can make available for people to have watch videos to really understand it yeah. because like anything it's all about education and then before making any decisions just you know talk to somebody who knows what they're doing and do your own due diligence on where you t- send the money but a SAS is a potential way of combining all of them into one place it certainly is that and yeah. most of our SAS trustees the money's populated from the old pensions they'd either forgotten about or they'd become disenfranchised from right and um for some people listening, they'll be thinking, I've never heard of this before. Mm-hmm. Is this new? Has this been around for years? How, I mean, how, how long have you been sort of doing this in, in the finance job? Well, um, you know, SASAs have been around for businesses since the 70s. Right. You so know, so they're, they're not old. 50 years. Well, they're a long time. Right. But the reason that they are not as prevalent is because it's mostly the domain, as I said, of business owners. Yeah. But what we're seeing now increasingly since Section 24 is uh, you might want to explain that. Yeah. There. So for anyone listening on the on the podcast, Section Twenty Four that Kevin's mentioning is, and um, the government brought in a new law as uh, um, about two years ago, where um, in a pension pot, sorry, not in a pension pot, we're talking pensions. Section Twenty Four, the government brought in a new law two years ago, um, where if you own property in your personal name, so if you bought a, a buy to let property, it's in your personal name, up till about just. Just past two years ago, April 2017, you could get income tax, you get tax relief on the mortgage portion. So if you had, a say, a property where the mortgage was £200 a month and the property rented for £500 a month, then you would, the £200 mortgage was a tax deductible expense and you'd pay tax at your personal rate of tax on the remaining 300 of the profit, less any management fees and things. But since April 2017, um, the that is no longer a tax deductible expense. And over a four year period, it's going for a 25-ish percent a year. By 2021, the entire amount of your rental income is going to be a tax deductible expense. So the 200 pound mortgage and the 300 pound profit, the whole 500 market rent will all be taxed, which Mm. is a little bit crazy, but this is why a lot of people have moved from buying property personally and buying them within limited companies now. Um, if you want to know a little more about Section 24, there is a podcast that we did on Section 24 that you can find in the in the Progressive Property Podcast. And that's the point, yeah. that so many more property people have incorporated, they've created mm-hmm. limited companies. And because property people usually have ambition, which is much greater than their supply of cash, they want to find more creative ways to access yeah. that money. So they've been asking the question, what about my old pensions? You know, mm-hmm. Can I use that in some way? So this whole SAS tidal wave, the tsunami of money that's moving into uh, SAS pensions is largely coming from people yeah. who are property and, experienced and who want to be. And it's logical. Why not? And that's exactly why that coincides with Section 24 a couple of years ago coincides exactly with why I said at the start of the podcast, I met you two and a half years ago because right. I was looking for exactly right. that. Yeah. A way to um, buy property within in another means other than my own name. Exactly right. So, yeah. Um, so that's the reason why 
there's so much more of it. And, and as long as people stay within the rules and, you know, and take good advice, you'd be in a situation where there's no danger to this because everything's being done properly. So if people want to, um, to do this, to get, to, to have a, a chat about, um, how it would work and stuff, mm -hmm. can you help them? How can they get in touch with you? Um, where do they find you? Well, well, obviously, it would be a lot of people for me to find. So naturally, I have a team. But yeah. my company, as you know, is called Wealth Builders, right. uh, wealthbuilders.co.uk. And anybody could send a hello at wealthbuilders.co.uk and we'll send them some free videos, educational videos. So, so, yeah. so your email is, is hello, just hello at, at wealthbuilders.co.uk. Right. Mention the podcast and we'll send them, you know, some maybe two or three videos, which will just help their education. You know, and that's that. I'd say take it slow. That's the key. Some some people listen as well. I, um, I had heard of what's called a SIP, mm -hmm. but never heard of a SAS. Yep. Um, what's the difference? If anyone's thinking, oh, I've got my pension in a SIP, mm -hmm. or I was thinking about putting it into one, what's the difference between SIP and SAS? And um, what's the difference first? And then well, I'll take the next I've well, got okay. questions in my head. SIP means self-invested personal pension. Right. Okay, remember SAS is small self-administered scheme. None of the language very sexy, Kevin, right? But yeah. But a, a SIP is a personal pension. So one person, not up to 11 people. Right. A SIP is a product. It's an individual pension. It's not a business. You don't need to be a business owner. You buy a SIP off the shelf, and it's a professional who's the trustee. So you have to go with what they allow you to do. So if you go to a traditional SIP, the biggest SIP in the UK only allows stock market investments. If you said, well, I want to do commercial property or commercial to residential, the answer is no. Right. So only a SAS really gives you the freedom and the flexibility to make the decisions that you would want to make. There are many differences, uh, but from my experience, we've seen many, many people move from SIP to SAS, yep. and almost nobody moved back to SIP, because anything you can yeah. do in a SIP can be done in a SAS. Right, plus more. Plus more, yeah. yeah. Okay, so... Um You've answered all my other questions on that. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I had about three questions on Cypress SAS, but just letting you go <laughs> answer them. Um, what other sort of advice would you give people um, just in, in general around our um, sort of top tips on finance, what they should do if they're starting out in property? Because mm -hmm. I know you, you, you're in finance building in general. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not just about property. It's not just about SaaS, but it's about building wealth through property. It's okay. about property funding. Yeah. So what, what, what other stuff do you do? Um, and what other advice could you give people who are thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get started in property or I'm thinking about getting started in property. I'm at the beginning of my journey. Um, what's the first step? How do I get some money? How do I, where do I go? Well, being at the beginning of a journey is always the hardest part because you don't yet have the track record. So it's slightly more difficult to attract investors. But, you know, you've got a progressive, lots of creative ways to help people maximize the use of that, no money down mm. and, and creative finance masterclass and all those sorts of things. I would say start recognizing that you need to build your brand. Yeah. That as you go, recognize you're building that track record, almost like the foundation of a building. The beginning is always below ground. And then you're building it piece by piece. And what we're encouraging people to do is recognize that investors, private investors, will always bring money where there's a good trusted relationship. So building relationships slowly, yeah. not saying, you know, I've got this property, I'll need to find it money next Tuesday, yeah. Yeah, which is a sort of language you'll often hear with you, people you, who love property because that 
drive to get the next deal done. You go to a local networking event and somebody's got this deal shaking in your face. Exactly. So the opposite is true. Mm. Uh, The reason why people have got millions and millions and millions earning next to nothing in the bank or up and down with a pension is because they haven't yet had the education to trust people in property and they don't know who to trust. So the way to do that is to gradually build that track record and understand that. Just take your time with people, just as we're doing, and gradually, gradually, gradually build that. Uh, Put together, I've created a set of documents, which I call the 10 things you need to do, called the 10 pillars of trust. Okay. And it's a way that it's just an easy way to start building your template so you can show people whether it's a PDF or it's a PowerPoint or a website. It's a good template. And again, if uh, your listeners would like a copy of the template, I'm more than happy to send it. Just send an email to hello at wealthbuilders.co.uk and say, send me the templates. And we'll Excellent. Send it. Yeah, no problem. So um, a lot of our listeners listening in are literally like right there at the beginning of the journey. And if you are and you're thinking, um, I want to get started in property, um, the, there is, the money is available. There is, you may have it closer than you think. You may be in a pension. But well, exactly it's, right. It's, you know, they could have money that they've forgotten about they could bring yeah. into play or other people's. Or, of course, you know, the natural thing people do is is to collaborate together with friends, with family, and, and, and even joint venture with each other. So there's always a source of leverage somewhere. Um, or you look at strategies where the need for the capital part yeah. is not quite as large, like rent-to-rent or any other strategy like that. And some of our listeners have been part of the progressive community for a while, and mm-hmm. they, they come to Peterborough to progressive's offices, and they attend some of the trainings, and they get to know each other quite well yeah. over a period of time. Right. And if there was some people in the community that know each other quite well and they each had a pension pot Mm -hmm. and had converted it into a SaaS. Yes. Can they work together or how would or do they have to stay separately? Can can they combine pots? Can they do anything? Well, they could combine pots. I mean, but that's like uh, doing business together. There's a difference between sharing an interest in a project and being in business together. Right. Right. So putting pots together, I think, is a difficult one, right. possible. So they'd have to set up a company together, maybe. Um, um, I think probably the easiest way to think about it, um, in the end, good investments will speak for themselves. Yeah. So if you've got somebody who's good at what they do, then p- forget that they property people do tend to congregate in ways that other people do not. Yes, yeah. Right? That's just the way yeah. they do, which is great. It makes them easy to identify. If you follow the principles that I describe in the 10 pillars document and you've got a very safe investment to make available to others and others can lend to you and you can pay them a fair rate as long as you're getting a good rate and you follow all the compliance rules, which are much more complicated than explaining on a podcast, Mm. but it's definitely possible to do that. So I'd say I've, I've got, even with a SAS, I've learned more stuff about SAS and Mm -hmm. I'm always learning and we're all always learning. Um, Sure. And I know I'm conscious of your time, Kevin, you need to get away. Um, we on the if you do want to know more about SAS, if you want to find out a bit more about how you could um, about your pensions, what you could do with your pensions, then get in touch with Kevin Whelan at Wealth Builders. Kevin, your email address again, just one last time is hello at wealthbuilders.co.uk. Hello at wealthbuilders.co.uk. Drop him a message. Let him know you were listening to the Progressive Property Podcast. They'll send you his ten pillars document. And yeah. um, if you you've, if you want to make sure you've subscribed to the Progressive Property Podcast, so we're out every Tuesday, we're on iTunes and Stitcher, make sure you've subscribed to the podcast. 
Also, we spoke a lot about the progressive property community and the people in the community. If you're not already a member of the progressive property community, then make sure you join the progressive property Facebook community. It's on Facebook. You can go to Facebook, type in progressive property community and click join. And one of the team will be in touch with you. If you're wondering about the trainings and how I can learn a bit more about property so I know what to do with property before I start to think about using my pension pot to invest in the property, then speak to the office. So contact the Progressive Property Office, look for progressiveproperty.co.uk on the internet, contact the office, and they can talk you through where you can get started on your property journey. And you've been listening to the Progressive Property Podcast. Remember, we're out every Tuesday. We're on iTunes and Stitcher. I've been Kevin McDonald. You've been absolutely awesome. Speak soon. Thank you, Kevin. Cheers.